Now then, at nearly 7.43, the leaders of Ethiopia and Eritrea signed a declaration this week ending 20 years of hostility and restoring normal ties. It's a stunning turnaround and proof, really, of how fast reconciliation can happen, even in a seemingly impossible standoff. And the move has great implications for the wider region. So let's now welcome on the line Professor Christopher Clapham from the Centre of African Studies at Cambridge University. Thank you very much for taking the time. Thank you very much for inviting me. Well, it's a pleasure. And as someone who's been observing the Horn of Africa for many years, what was your own response to this normalisation of ties? Um, My first response was simply of surprise, and I think that goes for many people also. These countries have apparently been locked in conflict for 20 years now, and it has taken a very brave initiative by the new Ethiopian Prime Minister, Dr. Abiy Ahmed, to try to unlock the um, hostilities that have existed for so long. So if we look at some background, Eritrea gaining independence from Ethiopia in the early 1990s. Uh, We, many of us will have memories that go far back to the awful famine of the years before that in Ethiopia. What what was the the main spark of the conflict between the two sides? It was a conflict over the boundary between the two countries, which had never been properly demarcated during the colonial era, and on which um, the Eritreans believed that territory currently occupied by Ethiopia should have been theirs, and they therefore launched a surprise attack on Ethiopia in order to seize that territory, and that attack was defeated by the Ethiopians. The attempt to Um, settle the boundary after that um, was not accepted particularly by Ethiopia and therefore the boundary remained locked for nearly 20 years afterwards but in essence it is a territorial dispute over a very small area in conflict between the two countries and an area not so far as we can judge of great economic importance but an issue that had enormous symbolic importance for the governments and peoples on both sides. And speaking of peoples on both sides, they were separated in a way that might be comparable to the situation we have here on the peninsula in Korea, in the sense that there wasn't a lot of communication, they couldn't just phone each other up, they couldn't safely travel to see each other, could they? Um, Well, up and from the... Time when Eritrea effectively became independent in 1991, up until the outbreak of war in 1998, it had looked as though relations between the two countries were proceeding normally, and it was a big surprise to everyone when the Eritrean government took the decisive and extremely foolish step of trying to seize the um, disputed territories. So it has not been such a long conflict as the one between the two Koreas, but had nonetheless been a very important one from the point of view of the governments on both sides. Yeah, but 20 years, of course, is is long enough to cause pretty deep-seated divisions, and, and yet that seems to have evaporated almost overnight. Is it fair to say that it's from the Ethiopian side's concession that that has been able to happen? 
Well, certainly the steps towards peace have been taken almost entirely on the Ethiopian side by deciding effectively that this narrow strip of territory was not worth fighting over. The Eritrean government and the same leader, Isaias Afewerki, has remained in power ever since the country became independent 25 years ago, um, has simply responded to the Ethiopian initiatives. And it reflects, I think, on the Ethiopian side, a self-confidence that Ethiopia, which is much bigger than Eritrea and has had a much more successful economy, a much more open political structure, though not one that one could really call democratic, was in a position to make a, a concessions that would in turn bring about peace between the two countries. From a practical point of view now, though, what happens to those areas that might be confusing for, for some of the residents? They, they might think they're in one country, but they're actually in another country now. Now, yes, the, um, there still remains to be taken the important steps of achieving an agreed boundary on the ground. The Ethiopians have announced that they have accepted the decision of a boundary commission, which reached some very controversial conclusions about where the boundary should go, and that they are prepared to hand over to Eritrea those areas administered by Ethiopia, which the Boundary Commission said ought to belong to Eritrea. There are also some rather smaller areas that the Boundary Commission assigned to Ethiopia, but which are occupied by Eritrea. And we have not yet heard whether Eritrea will agree in its um, turn to hand those over to Ethiopia. And as you indicated, when the countries have been separated by a very... um, firm, rigid military line of demarcation for 20 years, bringing about those changes on the ground cannot be taken for granted and still remains to be um, achieved. What about the, the, the trust factor? We talk about trust as well on this peninsula. Can, it, can that be gained between these two sides after so, so many years, even if not so long as here? Um, trust is normally been in very short supply in this part of Africa. And on the Eritrean side in particular, there has been a very strong um, distrust of Ethiopia, in turn reciprocated on the Ethiopian side. So we can't assume that the, as it were, the moral conditions are in place to guarantee the achievement of this settlement. What we can say is that a very important first step has been taken, but it is as yet only a first step. For the Eritrean refugees who had fled into Ethiopia, what what happens on some of the humanitarian sides now? Um, Eritrea has been astonishing in the world for producing one of the largest outflows of refugees for any country on the globe and especially for a country which is not involved in an immediate war. And both the position of Eritrean refugees outside the country, including those in Ethiopia, and also the reactions of Eritreans inside the country itself is a continuing issue and potentially a very sensitive one. If everything goes well, the boundary should be opened and the 
refugees from Eritrea currently in Ethiopia should be able to return home. But they have left home precisely because of their dissatisfaction with the conditions within Eritrea. And for any lasting peace to be achieved, that issue will have to be addressed. The key problem, in a sense, with implementing this initiative is what the effects will be in Eritrea for Eritreans, because the Eritrean government has relied on this conflict with Ethiopia in order to justify an extremely repressive and militarized system of government inside Eritrea that will be difficult to maintain once the countries are at peace. And there are certainly parallels here with the issues that you face on the peninsula about the changes that would be needed in DPRK in order to um, achieve a lasting settlement of its relations with the Republic of Korea um, in the South. So there are difficult political issues that confront the Eritrean government and which may indeed threaten its own ability to remain in power. And that must be one of the main concerns about whether this initiative will in fact be carried through into a lasting peace. There had even been, though, a couple of years of anti-government protests in Ethiopia, hadn't there? So what what's the likely uh, prognosis from your perspective politically? Are we going to see greater freedoms emerge out of this, uh, the potential for justice even? Or is there a danger we could we could take a step backwards even? Now, certainly the um, political situation in Ethiopia over the last two years has become increasingly um, fraught and dangerous. And it is precisely that situation that has brought about the voluntary resignation of the previous prime minister, um, Haramariam Tesseleng, and the coming into office of the new prime minister, Dr. Abiy Ahmed, who has proved much, much more decisive um, in trying to bring about a settlement, not just to the conflict with Eritrea, but more importantly, in many ways, to the conflicts within Ethiopia than the previous government. And again, one of the question marks remaining over the settlement with Eritrea is the position inside Ethiopia itself. Now, Dr. Abiy's um, initiatives since coming to power have, generally speaking, been enormously popular and welcome in Ethiopia. There have been massive um, demonstrations in his support, but um, as inevitably happens, there will be some groups in Ethiopia who stand to lose from the bringing of peace with Eritrea, just as there are groups within Eritrea who may lose out from bringing peace with Ethiopia. Mm. And so um, it is by no means a done deal yet, though certainly things are looking much, much better than they have done for many years. Very briefly, do you expect a positive knock-on effect for other parts of the wider region, South Sudan, Somalia, for example? Um, I'd have to say, regrettably, no. Um, South Sudan and Somalia have deep-seated problems of their own, which cannot be assumed will be solved no matter how important and successful the problems, the resolution of the problems between Ethiopia and Eritrea may be. 
Ethiopia and Eritrea both have strong governments which are capable of making decisions such as this one over the frontier, whereas the problem with both Sudan, South Sudan and Somalia is that they scarcely have a government at all. Those are very fractious and divided countries. But um, in the longer term, a successful resolution to the conflict with between Ethiopia and Eritrea can only be good news for the neighbours of both of those countries. Well, thank you so much, Professor Clapham, for offering your expertise on a subject that might have been mysterious to many, but I'm sure we'll all feel slightly clearer on the situation and great news to celebrate in itself this week. Well, thank you very much again for inviting me to speak to you.